everyone, it's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and welcome to episode 308 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. We have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth. A new, new preview season awaits us, so I'm doing very well. Yes, Keldheim is sort of in preview season. We got some early previews that we're going to talk about today. We're actually going to spend, I think, the entire cast outside of Fishmail talking spoilers. But before we get into that, we have another co-host in Krim. How's it going today, Krim? Morning, Seth. As uh, Richard mentioned, preview season, well, sort of, right? I mean, it's like preview season light. It's like the trailer almost to the new preview season because uh, we still got a we, we got a little bit of Caldheim stuff to look at. Yeah, the winter set's always weird because it kind of overlaps with the holiday season and Wizards like shuts down for a week or two during the holidays. So what we have is a handful of early spoilers for Caldheim from Week of Metal, and then I think Wizards said they're giving us one spoiler on Christmas Eve, and then official spoiler season is starting January 7th, so the first Thursday of the new year. Uh, so we got a little while, but the good news is we actually have a lot of cards to talk about. I think we got like seven or eight cards to talk about. Plus we got some theme booster cards. We got some commanders from the commander deck. So even though it's early spoiler season, uh, we still got a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about. And that's the plan for the cast today. We're talking Keldheim, Keldheim spoilers, and then answering some fish mail. But before we get into that, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card conduit and if you've ever tried to sell your magic cards oh boy is it a hassle uh sorting and typing and packaging and shipping it's a lot of work if you're trying to sell a big lot of magic cards the good news is that card conduit is the easiest way to sell your magic cards and if you want to avoid all those hassles and all the time that it takes to sell your cards this new service from the folks over at card hoarder will sort grade and sell your magic cards for you and once your shipment is processed you'll receive the proceeds minus their fee and right now you can get 10% off by going to cardconduit.com slash goldfish so thank you so much to card conduit for supporting the show today and let's talk sweet new magic cards always one of my favorite podcasts when we just get to talk about new magic cards what is better than that richard why don't you guide us through our early Keldheim spoilers all right. We have over 25 cards, actually. A little preview is a lie. We have, uh, I think, 10 or 11 cards from the main set, uh, a bunch of cards from the theme boosters, and then the two face planeswalkers of the, com- or the two face legendaries of the commander decks. Uh, so we're going to start off with the main set, and we might as well just start off with the main character. We have Kaya, sporting the new hairdo. Kaya, the inexorable, three white and a black, so five CMC, legendary planeswalker Kaya. Starts at five loyalty, plus one, put a ghost form counter on up to one target non-token creature. It gains when this creature dies or is put into exile, return it to its owner's hand, and create a 1-1 spirit creature token with flying. Minus three, exile target non-land permanent. Minus seven, you get an emblem with at the beginning of your upkeep. You may cast a legendary spell from your hand, from your graveyard, or from among cards you own in exile without paying its mana cost. Whew. This, is, this, this is amazing, by the way. I, I, I love this card. I think this card is, uh, well, I, I'm just excited to put it in my Nevenerial, uh, commander deck. 
Uh, yeah, because I plan on using that plus one on it. Uh, as for standard, I, I I think that that minus three is pretty strong, but we'll we'll see what happens with with planeswalkers in the standard format and how volatile the format could be towards a planeswalker. Because uh, we haven't seen any yet, right? Like it's not a planeswalker dominated format. However. There's a lot of shenanigans going on if you get that ultimate off, right? I think people are talking about, like, Karn's Temporal Sundering, uh, as you could just kind of do that over and over. Uh, and, and, and then, of course, you know, there's just the fact that Kaya, you just get to cast Kaya again after you emblem. Yeah, Kaya, I really like Kaya. I think Kaya's a really fun and unique Planeswalker. Obviously, if you emblem it, it's a lot of value. Uh, it does sort of protect itself with a negative three ability. The plus one is pretty interesting. Maybe some sort of, like, sacrifice deck or even just, like, protecting your best creature for value. Yes, you do have to, like, recast it after it dies or gets exiled, so you do have to spend mana on it, but it's still pretty powerful, and you get a spirit, so even if you have, like, one creature and you plus one, and you're using it creature to protect Kaya, and your opponent kills that creature, you get the spirit to still like jump block and protect Kaya for a turn. So I think it's a really sweet Planeswalker. I am kind of skeptical on it actually seeing play in standard for a couple of reasons. One is, as Krim mentioned, we just haven't really seen a lot of Planeswalkers recently in our standard format. They don't necessarily match up that well with what's going on in the meta. Another reason I'm a little bit skeptical of Kaya is... Uh, when you think of black and white in standard, most common builds are like Esper Control style builds or something like that. And I think Kaya really, for the most part, wants a reasonable number of creatures to be good. Uh, I think that you really want to be able to take advantage of that. Plus one, have a creature to put the counter on. I do think it's kind of cute in something like Mardu Doom Foretold, where you can like have your Yarion out and put the counter on it, and then sack it to Doom Foretold and get your Yarion back and recast your Yarion. Like, like Doom Foretold needs to be more loopy and grindy, but I do think it could be like somewhat interesting there. And the negative three makes me a little excited for Commander, honestly. Like, uh, I guess Unconditional Removal is good anywhere, but I think that ability kind of being like a expensive sorcery speed utter end that has the upside of if Kaya sticks around, you're going to get additional value out of it. I think that makes it maybe reasonably playable in the commander format too. Yeah. I I think that's the biggest thing about it. I love it for commander and the, that plus one definitely has some applications because then you can return your commander to your hand. Uh, as opposed to having to cast it from the command zone again, paying the tax and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, but there's another thing I noticed about this that was pointed out to me too. It's that uh, the Kaya's axes from the art we saw are gone. And yeah. now she has like these ice picks, spectral yeah. ice picks. You call them spectral ice picks. I call them wimpy little daggers. It's a Viking set. <laughs> what happened to the axes? <laughs> but... That plus one yeah. reminds me of Thrag Tusk. Like, so is Thrag Tusk good? So imagine if Uro was still legal or something, you just plus one the Uro, like it's game over, right? Like even if you exile the creature, it goes back to your hand and you get a little chump blocker for, for your troubles. Uh, so it just creates an unkillable creature. So if we have good creatures, which I don't think is a stretch. Uh, if they have good <laughs> ETB or exits the battlefield or whatever abilities, like Kaya just pumps that up so maybe this is too fair but then again we've we've had theoretically fair decks right like uro is a fair magic card theoretically right so yes it is so i think that plus one is good because because of the exile clause right uh, you put it on your gods they can't die anymore 
Uh, and in, uh, in standard, there's no like shuffle into library effect. Uh, so you're going to have to play like pacifism or something to try to get around that plus one ability, which people just don't really play in standard. So I, I think that plus one is sneaky good. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it is a pretty powerful ability. I just worry that like... We're still in Throne of Alderaan standard. We still have a lot of cards or a reasonable number that seemed sort of designed to fight against War of the Spark Planeswalkers. You still got like the questing beasts of the world running around. So I just wonder if until we get another rotation, if our meta is just going to be a little hostile for Planeswalkers in general, just because we still have like all those cards that we needed to fight against the million Planeswalkers from War of the Spark. So maybe like, I don't know, maybe Kaya just picks up on fringe hate from War of the Spark existing alongside a lot of the cards that still exist in Standard. All right, next up, we have a first look at our gods. Uh, we have Halvar, God of Battle, two white, white, four, four. Uh, legendary creature, God. Creatures you control that are enchanted or equipped have double strike. At the beginning of each combat, you may attach target aura or equipment attached to a creature you control to target creature you control. And Halvar is an MDFC, so the flip side of Halvar is Sword of the Realms, one in a white, legendary artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero, and has vigilance. When equipped creature dies, return it to its owner's hand. Equip is one and a white. Well, I, ah, geez, this, yeah, this one, this one's interesting to me. I gotta say, I love, love, love the design of Halvar. I think, I like basically everything about the design. It, having MDFCs that are equipment slash creatures lets you kind of get around the legend rule. You're able to like play the first copy as Halvar and play the second copy as a sword. If you get the sword on the Halvar, you get a godlike protection, which is kind of missing from the front half of Halvar compared to the other gods we've had in Magic. So I think the design is really, really sweet. And I really like how these god MDFCs are turning out. On the other hand, as far as being good, eh, I don't know. Oh. I, I, I'm expecting that I'm going to like the other gods a lot more than I like Halvar. I actually think the equipment half is the more exciting part of this card to me, especially since yeah. the front half, you need to already have the equipment on something. So you can't do like Colossus Hammer shenanigans where you're like, oh, I play this and just like throw my hammer on something for free. You would have already had to pay eight to get your Colossus Hammer on something, or six to get your Argentum Armor on something before Halvar can move it around to something else. So I think the equipment side's good. The Halvar side, it's fine. But overall, it's a card I like the design of more than its raw power, I think. So we have Embercleave in the format. That's, that's something that equips for free. Uh, a lot of new equipment nowadays equip for free. So maybe that's fine, but I can't like unsee Megatron when I see Halvar. <laughs> like, just turns into a little sword, goes into Starscream's hand or something. Like, I just, I, I don't know what's going on here, but I, I do like the actual card design because it gets around the legend rule. If you draw multiple Halvars, you just be like, okay, one is a sword, one is Halvar, equip them and go to town, right? So it does get around the legend rule. And it also gives you like a living weapon kind of effect. If you just had like a handful of ember cleaves, you'd be sad. But if you had a, you know, a handful of Sword of the Realms, well, I'll just flip one of them around and now it's Halvar. So I actually really like the design. It, it kind of takes the feel bads out of kind of equipment and legendary creatures all in, all together. So yeah, 
I, I think it's and, good, but it's a four mana four four. Kind of sucks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a pretty like fair-ish creature, as weird as that is to say. It's just, quote-unquote, a four-mana four-four. Although, I do think the equipment half, like, the bouncing it back to your hand when the equipped creature dies, I think that's actually a, a fairly powerful ability, especially in a format like Commander. You can kind of, like, make some aggressive attacks and not worry so much about your creature dying. Uh, and I think it's also kind of hilarious that you can now have an equipment in your command zone if you want to play Helvar as your commander. Like, that's, like, kind of strange strange, isn't it, that if you're playing a Helvar commander deck, you can just be like, turn to sort of the realms for my command zone, go. <laughs> I think that's one of the more inter- uh, like interesting parts about the card itself, uh, is the fact that it can be your commander, and now your commander essentially is a sword, if you want it to be. So, I, I think that's pretty cool. I, I don't know how good Helvar will be, as you, like, I mean, I'm not sure, it's too early, but uh, I do think the card, like the design of it, like you had mentioned, is really sweet. So I cannot wait to see what how the cycle finishes out. Oh, I was gonna say Halvar's like not horrendous, okay? Like so if you equip the Sword of the Realms on Halvar himself, that's twelve damage. Because he gets double strike and it's like six power. So it's like not terrible. It's just not particularly exciting. Uh, in our current standard, I'd, I'd rather just use it to like move the Embercleave around <laughs> at this point. Plus, yeah. Embercleave already gives the double strike. Yeah. D- do you think it would be overpowered if it was like Arden from Commander Legends, where you could just once a turn at the beginning of combat put one aura or equipment? I guess it would mostly be equipment, but could just put something onto another creature without it first being equipped. Like, would that be too strong if you could do that? Yes. Mm. No. Like just a I mean, free I guess, equip. I mean, <laughs> You did kind of just, like, murder us with Arden on Commander Clash a couple weeks ago doing exactly that, so may- maybe that would be too strong to... It's, it's like, it's, it's it, all but... free mana, right? Just think of it as, like, Nissa doubling your mana, right? Like... Doesn't it already do that? It has to be no, equipped has to, be to equipped something already. else first. No, it ha- uh, creatures you control that are enchanted or equipped have double strike. At the beginning of each combat, you may attach target aura or equipment attached to a creature you control. To to, target yeah. creature you control. So you can move yeah. them around, but if it's like a naked piece of equipment, then you, you can't move it. Oh, so you yeah. have to pay the initial equip costs. And the, right. the equip costs balances equipment, right? So if you just remove it altogether, then you're cheating on mana like Nissa and all that stuff. So I don't think you can remove it. I think it's it's pretty it's pretty essential. It'd be like Stoneforge Mystic or something like that, Pure Steel Paladin, all these cards are super strong. So if you remove this, like you just die to Colossus Hammer, right? Like just it's that's an instant kill, right? It equips for free and then you get double strike and you're dead. <laughs> I just I just want Colossus Hammer to be good still. <laughs> I want to be able to Colossus Hammer people in like historic or something. <laughs> I think that would be sweet. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a really cool cycle, and I'm definitely excited to see what the rest of them look like. Do you take Helvar to mean that? Uh, number one, all the MDFCs from the set outside of the, the land cycle are going to be creature slash equipment, or do you think we're going to see other uh, like creature slash whatever enchantments, auras, planeswalkers uh, in the set? I've been waiting for MDFCs, whatever it was, whatever like you know it is. I mean, originally I wanted to see a planeswalker MDFC, uh, but you know. Of course, there's the flip planeswalkers, but I, I mean, I mean more like how it is now, especially one for Soren, uh, where he'd be a land like in a wall, 
and then he'd become a planeswalker. But uh, I I would like to see more things uh, become MDFCs. I think that's pretty cool. I've always been a fan of having action, and as I had mentioned before, uh, like the reason why I liked uh, gulp. I don't know if I should say this. Uh, companions uh, is the idea. Maybe not exactly the companions we got, but the idea of companions that we always had something to do. So, like, you know, this kind of ties back to the reduction of, you know, variance or whatever. Uh, I, I like having something to do at all phases. And so now Halvar gives us something to do in a creature uh, when we need a threat. Uh, or, like, the thing about equipment decks was like, oh, well, that's a great idea if you had a creature to keep around. But now we have something that can be the equipment or the threat. So I, I, like, I like that. I like more things like that for more decks. So if we can get even more like an enchantment version as long as it's not ridiculous uh stuff like that i think that'd be great yeah uh okay next up we have magda brazen outlaw one in a red it's a two one legendary creature dwarf berserker other dwarves you control get plus one plus zero whenever a dwarf you control becomes tapped create a treasure token sacrifice five treasures search your library for an artifact or dragon card Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Ooh, I I like this. I like that last part there. Sacrifice five treasures, because then you'd have... If you could find a way to kill a ton of your opponent's stuff, it's kind of cute, and it's maybe a little too early for this to even happen, but uh, it doesn't rotate yet, right? What's the dragon? Gadric? Uh, yeah, that... that- uh, should still be around in standard. So yeah, you can Gadrak with uh, with Magda, which is cool. Yeah, like Magda, Gadrick, and then that starts spawning a ton of treasures. Uh, of course, this starts bleeding into then what becomes historic, because then you'll have, you can go black-red, you'll have a black-red treasure deck, which I kind of already tried building in historic. Because uh, then what we would have, we'd have like, what's the bra- the bounty card, and then, you know, we'd have Revel and Riches, uh, we, you know, like there's a lot you could do with the treasure part. Of course, there's the dwarf, uh, a pump effect if you want to do something with Depala. But I, I'm looking at this for more treasure synergy. I I am the same way. I actually think the the dwarf uh, pseudo lord text is kind of just a trap. I think a lot of people are going to build like dwarf commander decks with this, which is fine and probably fun. But I I personally am not very excited to build a dwarf deck with Magda. On the other hand, in a treasure deck, I think this can do some really crazy things. Uh, in standard, I don't know. I think it'll be fun in standard or historic to try. Whether or not it actually ends up being like super competitive, I'm not sure. But I think in commander, where you have like Dockside Extortionist, you have Smothering Tithe, like it's pretty easy to build a big board full of treasures and then you just play this and you can hopefully tutor up something that wins you the game. There's some really powerful dragons. Uh, I think probably the cutest thing I've seen is you can tutor up Mycosynth Lattice to make everything artifacts and then you tutor up uh, the dragon that steals all of yeah. the defending players' Hellcat artifacts. Tyrant. Yes, try when you hit them. So you can just steal all of your opponent's permanents and that's only 10 treasures which might sound like a lot but it is very easy for a single Dockside Extortionist, or like once or twice around the table with a Smothering Tithe to end up with 10 treasures on the battlefield. So, the other thing is, like, you can just play this as ramp, too. Like, as your commander or in your 99, if you play this in commander, you just 
begin an attack with it on turn two or turn three after you get it down, and you're going to get a treasure just from attacking, so it's kind of like a sneaky ramp card, too, even discounting the dwarf synergy. So, not excited about dwarves, but very excited about Magda and the shenanigans it can pull off. I don't know how I feel about attacking with the 2-1, but but uh, I will say that, yeah, it doesn't even need to attack, it just needs to be tapped. So there are other ways to maybe tap it down and kind of just make it a token generator itself. Yeah, yeah, you can vehicles or whatever. Yep. This card is beyond broken. I, I don't know how <laughs> Beyond it's broken? Beyond broken. So in Commander, automatic staple. Every single red slash white Boros deck will play this, right? Like Seth said, Smothering Tide and Dockside Extortionist make this card obscenely broken, right? And... Like, it's not that hard to get treasures. Uh, and if you just attack, let's say you turn one dwarf. Let's say you actually play dwarves for some reason, right? Turn two Magda, right? You already ramped yourself once. Next turn, you ramp yourself twice. That's like Nissa levels of ramp, right? So it's like an instant mm. kill on the spot. <laughs> so I, I don't know what they're thinking about. Like, mm. commander absurdly broken. Standard, we'll see what we have to tutor up and if there's actually legit dwarves. But like a two mana two one that pumps, that creates ramp for yourself, and then has a combo kill in it, it's like insane. Like it's just, I'm surprised this wasn't like a chase card in Commander Legends. This is like totally. But it's a two one. Does it, who cares? It's a two one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna attack with it? <laughs> It does kind of feel like it should cost, like, three or four mana to me. Like, it, it, two mana, it seems very aggressively costed for what it does. Yeah, you can just cash in your treasures, like, the fairway and just get, like, a big mana rock. Like, something that adds three or four mana. Or you can just combo kill on the spot. Like, there's just so many things you can do. It's so easy to get treasures. Like, it, it, it should have been, like, dwarf treasure tokens only generated by Magda. Then it would be balanced. <laughs> okay. I, I I think I broke it. Like, 15 treasures, assemble Cauldra, got him. Oh, <laughs> I bet you this wow. is the easiest way to assemble Cauldra. <laughs> wow. You like smothering like time, and then you off. Magda, and then you assemble Cauldra. <laughs> That's it. Cauldra's it. finally still mediocre. <laughs> yeah, and then 30 turns later, you kill him with a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> there it is. I, I will say, though, we also, when we, like, that, that's strictly speaking commander. In in standard, what do you think about it standard-wise, though, Richard? Uh, are there any dragons or artifacts worth, like, okay, if, if there's a big, hefty it artifact that, that wins the game, I, I, I feel you will see Magda decks, like the combo <laughs> decks. That I will, mean, that will just aggro you out if you if you lean towards like countering the combo, <laughs> kind of like goblin. It gets an ember cleave, uh, but it also like can you produce treasures easily enough in standard? Like if you got to play a bunch of dwarves and tap them, I'm much less excited than if I can be like, oh, Dockside Extortionist, ten treasures, Magda, win the game. Like if you actually have to do the work <laughs> of tap playing <laughs> and tapping a whole bunch of dwarves to tutor up a three mana Gadrak, like is that I, it's fun, but is that actually going to be competitive? So I'm kind of like waiting to see if we get like a Blightsteel Colossus or something where it's like, oh, if I tutor this out, I win the game, uh, or even like maybe a Dracu Seth or some other like massive, really powerful dragon. Then I could definitely see the potential but i'm not sure like what what do we have to get that's worth the effort so what if, what if there's a dwarven raise the alarm so you one drop dwarf two drop two dwarves turn three magda attack with the team 
get the treasures, put it in Embercleave. Is that, is that mean, good enough? That, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of things going your way. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Like use a removal spell on my 1-1 one, one dwarf token? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd save it for Magda. I mean, that's the other Before thing I was going to say is like, everyone's playing Stomp. Like, Stomp is so many decks. Yeah. The rogue deck can easily kill it. So it feels, even like the food decks, you got Wicked Wolves. That might be one of your better matchups. But it feels like most of the heavily played decks in standard can easily kill a 2-1 on turn two. So I feel like if you got to, like, have it stick on the battlefield for it to be good, ah, I just don't know if that's going to happen in our current standard. It, it just needs one. It just uh, needs to get to combat, right? And then you get two or three treasures, which hopefully you can do something useful with. I guess the dies to removal argument, you know, like, we'll, we'll see, right? We'll see. I mean... <laughs> For, for right now, though, I, I think there is some help, right? I mean, we have more spoilers, and some of that is changeling, right? Yeah, you can get any changeling with it, so uh, maybe maybe we get some busted changeling. Uh, it, it, it needs to be a mythic. We don't we don't play creatures that are not mythics and standards. <laughs> right, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> like, they have to be absurdly strong. Uh, okay, next up speaking of changelings we have realm walker two and a green it's a two three shapeshifter uh it's a changeling as realm walker enters the battlefield choose a creature type you may look at the top card of your library anytime you may cast creature spells of the chosen type from the top of your library so this is pretty sweet for any kind of tribal deck right and with it being a changeling itself it can automatically slot right in um this what's it this is like a a vizier i guess yeah vizier, the menagerie yeah the menagerie yeah. except it's restricted by right as type. opposed to any creature but it's one one less mana i yeah. actually think this card's insane i actually think yeah. this might be the best constructed card that we've seen so far from the set as far as standard we're gonna have to wait and see like what tribes we have and how good they are but to me this feels like an easy inclusion in like elves for example in historic or modern even legacy i think is interested in this like just picture realm walker along with heritage druid and maybe something like beast whisperer going like it seems very easy in an elf deck for this to be like oh i just like draw my entire deck on turn three or turn four so i feel like this has a lot of potential in elf style go wide cheap creature tribal decks i don't know if it's the kind of card you want to like go out of your way are you gonna like go into blue green merfolk rather than being mono blue merfolk to take advantage of just realm walker i'm not 100 percent sure but if you already have green mana and you're one of those kind of tribes i mean like even humans could play it in modern i don't think you'd play four copies but i could see this being a like one or two of that you could slot into humans and uh, use as a card advantage spell so i actually think this is very very strong yeah i i think it's pretty good because it also falls right into the coco mark right it, you can get this off Coco. Um, I I don't know what tribe is going to use it in standard at all, but I mean, m m sure, something could use it. Uh, there there seems to be enough. That, like it's we're we're just around the corner, and I think eventually there will be some big tribal deck using it. But uh, if if you go back farther than standard, there's def it's a Coco target. I I think I like that. Like Seth had mentioned, elves was the first thing I thought about, and I I was wondering well. How greedy do we want to go? Because technically goblins could just add green and they could also just have more <laughs> stuff to do. But they they already had this. It would be like Snoop Goblin, but it, like, you know, copy 
like five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, and once you get back to uh, formats like Modern, you have Cavern of Souls, uh, so it's really pretty easy to splash a color because you're already playing that. You might already be playing Unclaimed Territory as well, so it doesn't seem Ancient that Ziggurat. hard to yeah. uh, to play a Realm Walker in your tribal decks and older formats. And as far as what you said about Standard, we know that Keltime is going to be tribal-themed. At least that's what the theme booster cards that will probably get to later heavily suggest we see like elf lords and angels and giants and wizards and a bunch of very tribal focused stuff so even though we might not have good tribal decks now it seems like that's one of the themes of Caldheim itself so maybe because of Caldheim, and then we probably get like dnd tribes next summer when we get the dnd set so i expect that sooner or later we'll probably have some decent tribal decks in Is standard that even if Yes, where the course that would normally be, I think, so. <laughs> or next summer, I guess. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I think we might get good tribal decks in standard while Realm Walker is still around. All right, this is a game changer for crocodile tribal, <laughs> yep. spider tribal, skeletons, uh, bear tribal. Skeleton. Not skeletons. Bears don't play green, but basically all like the bad tribal decks where you play vizier and, and stuff like that, like off theme, just to make your deck somewhat competitive. Now you can play Well Walker and it's on theme. Yeah. Right? So I it's think it's a, it's actually really good for casual players because you can slot this into any janky green-based tribe and you're on theme and you have card advantage now. So I actually really like this card. In in Commander Richard, do you think this is an auto-include if you're a tribal deck? Like, and you're in the colors, of course, but like, do you play this 100% of the time? Yeah. I mean, if you have enough creatures, right? So I mean, if you're a tribal well, deck, you, you have, probably do. Well, you could be playing like tar fires and stuff. I don't know your build. I don't judge you. Wait. Oh no, no, it's only creature spells. It's not just things of the tribe. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you can't actually cast a tar fire off this. I was like, but, what? But some, you know, some tribes just don't have enough creatures. Some tribes only have like ten, twelve creatures, so you won't play that. But for any like normal tribal deck, yes, you would put like this Kithkin. in. No, there's more than enough Kithkin. <laughs> you gotta go to like Goat Tribal or something when you start scraping or like Monkey Tokens or something. Like, you know, it gets rough at some of these tribes. All right. Next up, we have Pyre of Heroes, two colorless. Uh, it's an artifact. It's a rare two and tap, sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card that shares a creature type with the sacrificed creature and has converted mana cost equal to one plus that creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So this is pretty much uh, the the tribal version, a cheaper version of Birthing Pod, and more so tribal based, right? Uh, this this though, I don't know. I mean, I think the the fact that it is a tribal version of Birthing Pod actually is a kind of a a knock against the card. It's not as easy to, like, take advantage of, go up the chain, get a bunch of good cards, right? Or, like, this is going to be, oh, well, I've got to find another elf at five to go up the ladder and stuff like that. I can't, and I can't go get Crater Hoof, right? So, uh, this, this card, I don't know if it's that good at all, really. Um, at least, at least in standards, uh, like, seen, like, the setting, the landscape that is standard, I don't think it's good yet, but... Uh, we'll, we'll see as more things get revealed because it's obviously way too early to write off a tribal deck. However, for me right now, I don't think it's great. Um, I, I maybe maybe dwarves make it good because you know Magda can grab it. That that is that is uh, that is true. Yeah. It is an artifact. I actually 
pretty much agree with you. I think this might be my pick for the most overrated card that we've seen so far. I think people seem to be very much underrating how hard it is to actually get this set up. Uh, you can't really pull off any of the birthing pod combos, I don't believe. At least I haven't figured out a way or seen a way that you can, like, combo off with this like you can with Vanifar birthing pod because of that tribal restriction. And even in tribal decks, I've had some people be like, oh, I'll play this in, like, modern humans or modern merfolk or something. And I don't even think it's necessarily good just because you're a tribal deck. Because if you think about a deck like uh, humans, for example, or in a deck like merfolk those decks are just they're based about getting a bunch of tribe members on the battlefield to benefit from your lords i don't think sacking your lord of atlantis to get a mirror regery or whatever like you're just spinning your wheels that's not doing anything so i think you need like specific tribes that have etb triggers that have death triggers something like wizards comes to mind (laughs) phoenixes like (laughs) right (laughs) in tribes like that where the main value of your creatures is your reflector mage is like bouncing something then whatever it did its job then you sacrifice it and get a venser and bounce something else and like drive your opponent crazy so i think there are like specific tribes where it would be good and it's probably good in most tribal commander decks or many of them because uh, having tutors is very powerful in a hundred card singleton format uh so i feel like maybe commander decks will be higher on it but i actually think for standard or other formats it's a lot worse than a lot of people think i think it's almost auto included tribal commander decks no i mean i don't know like it's hard to get value but uh, you get to tutor anything i like it and commander. you have changelings hmm. opposition chooses but opposition at the same time like what if you're just tutoring like more bears like it's not good <laughs> right like converting like a 2-2 into a 3-3 is not worth your time like seth said it has to actually do something useful and only like a handful of tribes can actually do that so i actually i'm not sure if it's auto include or not it's going to depend on your your deck yeah but okay. it, it is interesting that they're like birthing pod too strong Uh, Here we go. Just have a tribal birthing pod. (laughs) And shapeshifters do change the equation a bit. Like, when I first saw Pyre of Heroes, we didn't know that shapeshifters or changelings were going to be in uh, Kaldheim. If we have a bunch of really good uh, changelings, then I think this goes up in value, because you can sack your Realmwalker and get literally any 4-drop. So if we have enough changelings that you can actually consistently sacrifice them, then maybe we can have some birthing pod-esque style back in standard, without the combos, but just like a value-y, grindy version if there's enough good changelings. Yeah, the, uh, sure, if there are changelings and whatnot, once again, not enough of the set is out yet to fully write this off, uh, uh, at least in standard. So if we can get some more pretty sweet support for like i don't know tribal decks then then maybe but right now this just seems like a do nothing or or not a do nothing it just doesn't do enough do do little yes yeah it it depends if there's like incidental tribal synergies like there's like a good mythic and a good rare and they just happen to share the same tribe and then you could like take advantage um but like I, i wouldn't go throwing this in rogues or anything like that um Okay, next up, we have Sarulf, Realm Eater, one black and a green, 3-3 three, three, legendary creature, wolf, whenever a permanent and opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one on Sarulf. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Sarulf has one or more plus one, plus one counters on it, you may remove all of them. If you do, exile each other non-land permanent with converted mana costs. Less than or equal to the number of counters removed this way. 
Wizards <laughs> loves printing uh, repeatable rest in the command zone these days, don't they? Like, we, we just got <laughs> Nev, and this feels like a very strong commander card to me. I'm interested in it in other formats as well, although I would be a lot more excited if it was permanent going to your graveyard rather than your opponent's graveyard. My first instinct was like, oh, in modern, there's fetches. You, like, play this, get it up to four power so it does, uh, doesn't die to lightning bolt, and then you wrath away all your opponent's random one-drops and stuff, and you have this creature that's still on the battlefield, but it's a little bit harder to control when it's only your opponent's graveyard, so it might be a little trickier to grow, although I feel like in Commander, when you have four opponents, odds are something's going to die, fetch lands will be cracked, and this will suddenly turn into a big creature that, if your opponents don't deal with, is probably going to wrath away the board. It's And I like that it's a lot more than just a simple wrath, too, in that it exiles. So, I like the exile, I and I think that this can hit anything that isn't a land, yeah, so... That's pretty cool. I don't know if it's this is like the most busted thing. Some people are making it seem like this is like ban worthy, but I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm gonna regret saying this, but I I think it's just good. But I don't know if it's like you know. Oh my gosh, ban it! You you can't control the number of counters removed. So if you want to wrath, you're wrathing like everything. Yeah, or you know everything up yeah. to the number of counters you have, which I think makes it a lot worse. And if you could. Con- control how many counters you remove um, oh, but it is sack easy outlets. to get big yeah like people just sack fetch lands and things if you cast like yeah. i don't know a barter in blood or, or some, something like that right you can just grow this thing like really fast really quickly but yeah you have to get to your upkeep again to wrath and then you don't get a choice so you know, you're going to rack the whole board, and if you do, then people might not be happy, so Fenrir is not going to survive, and blah, blah, blah. Oh. So I, I don't know. Yeah, actually, now that I read that part where it has to make it a whole turn to do that, I actually yeah. I think this is bulk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a 3 mana 3 3 only to begin with, too, so it's like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought it's just whenever it died. <laughs> oh yeah I equal mean, to the counters on it but okay hold on it has to make it a whole turn mm. standard wise i think this is bulk yeah i think it's i think it's a little uh, a little slow for standard and you don't really have fetch lands and stuff in standard so it's gonna take a while to grow and i don't know maybe it could be a sideboard card against decks with a lot of one drops like it, that's where it seems to have the most value to me if you're up against some like mono red style deck and you can get one counter on it and just I, wipe away all the one drops and still have your wolf around but i'd rather just have pestilent haze because what if i pay three mana i need to clear the board they answer it and then i'm like oh no i spent my whole turn doing nothing <laughs> I'm yeah. so dead. Yeah, that's. But you have a wolf. <laughs> yeah, a temporary. Wolf I drew a removal out of their hand. <laughs> <laughs> they discarded a card. All right. Next up, we have Showdown of the Skulls. Two red and a white four CMC. It's a saga. Uh, chapter verse. What are these things? Chapters. I think chapter one. Exile the top four cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. Uh, chapters two and three, whenever you cast a spell this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. This is cool. I think this is a, a I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised, right, that we see a saga, like the saga's returning. Um, especially when there's lore stuff involved, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but like this card just is, is cool. I don't know. It, four mana to do all of this? So Whenever I, you cast a spell this turn, put a 1-1 counter on target creature you uh, control. 
I I think this card's it's like really Escape good. to the Wilds. I think it's really good, like, just because of the first lore counter. I think ignore the second two lore counters and think of it as an enchantment that draws you four cards when it comes into play, and you can sacrifice it to Doom Foretold or blink it with Yarion uh, or whatever. Like yeah. I think that is what sells me on this card. That plus Boros Commander decks can always use more card draw, and this might just show up in Boros Commander decks because they oh, yeah. don't have enough good card draw. But in standard. I imagine it as, like, a Mardu Yarion Doom Foretold type card. Or maybe, like, if Boros Aggro emerges, you can play it at the top end of your curve just uh, for card advantage or out of the sideboard for slower matchups as card advantage. But I think the second two lore counters are pretty meh. The first one's good, though. I guess you do have targets, because, like, the Mardu Yorion decks, they do have the tokens off, like, Omen of the Sun. Uh, you know, you could even make your little wall off of uh, Birth of Miletus <laughs> become a 1-5. So... So this does have some uses. Uh, I don't know. This card just seems okay to me so far. Um, Commander-wise, that would be cool in a Boros deck. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but in standard, historic, this just seems okay. Yeah, I, I think Yorion is the only thing making this card playable. Like, right. if we didn't have Yorion or a Doom Foretold decks, I think this is, like, stone unplayable. But because we do have those cards, this is actually really good in those synergistic decks that blink. So... Uh, depends if you want to play these colors in your deck. Maybe you play some of these, uh, but I think it's just okay otherwise. Uh, next up, we have uh, the completion of the pathway cycle. So we have black blue, black red, black green, white. We already had blue. black blue. Wait, what? Uh, black, oh, black green, green blue. Green yes. blue. Yeah. <laughs> green blue. Yes. So, uh, uh yeah. I'm glad that they completed the cycle to balance out standards mana, because standards mana has driven me a little bit crazy since rotation that some colors are way better than others because they have more dual lands and more untapped dual lands. On the other hand, I'm still not the biggest fan of this cycle. It's fine. We've talked about this several times before. Like, I think it's fine, but I don't know. Other people get way more hyped about it than I do, where I think it's like a solid second tier dual land cycle. Uh, but mostly I'm happy because standards mana is going to be even uh, now to, without any color being at a disadvantage just because it's lacking a pathway. I mean, we're, we're, but we're all kind of used to that, right? I mean, like with like Ravnica sets, they always release, release like X amount of shock. So these are the colors that are good this set. But uh, I, I do like these lands a lot. I, I'm in the camp that really enjoys these lands. So, um, yeah, I, I'm i excited to see them finished. I'm excited to see the blue-white one here. I'm not excited to see the Simic one. And, <laughs> like, yeah, like, this this is just cool to see the cycle completed. And I, I love these lands. So, you know, I'll probably play these too. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're fine standard lands. Yeah. I, I just don't want to see them in any other format. But they're fine for standard um and okay. historic kind of okay historic fine okay uh let's move on to the commander decks so with every expansion set we get commander decks uh we have the two face cards uh they were leaked previously with blurry pictures and people try to decipher them and they deciphered them wrong so wizards was like here have the actual cards uh so first up we have lathril blade of the elves two black and a green two three Legendary creature, Elf Noble, Menace. When Lathril deals combat damage to a player, create that many 1-1 green elf warrior creature tokens. Tap, tap 10 untapped elves you control. Each opponent loses 10 life and you gain 10 life. It's got Menace. It's got, so I, I do, I do like that. 
I think this is a, a decent commander card, just because there aren't many green-black elf legends that actually care about the elf tribe uh, in the way that a lot of mono-green elf legends do. You have, like, Nath for discard. You have some weird, like, Savra sacrifice uh, stuff, but you don't really have too many just, like, straight up play a bunch of elf type cards. And Black Green Elves was supporting Commander Legends, so this gives you a way you can, like, buy the Commander deck and maybe upgrade it with some of the Commander Legends cards. So I think it's, like, a pretty reasonable, a pretty reasonable green black elf commander. Uh, I don't think it's like busted or anything, but I think uh, if you want to play green black elves, the tap to drain for ten is pretty nice. Yeah, like this That's is just so a sweet. This is just a, a sweet elf commander i i think that it that it isn't broken and i i think that's that's fine right this is like definitely just a fun one the artwork's sweet uh did i mention that it it has menace <laughs> like that it's so fair it's so fair and i think that's just it doesn't seem normal because elves when they get out on the board something gets out of control real quick uh it adds 100 mana and all of a sudden all the elves in your deck are on the battlefield this is just, you know, kind of a balanced version of all of that. And yeah, if you if you get ten elves, like draining your opponents for ten and gaining ten is like really not an efficient use of your ten <laughs> elves. Like, so I, I don't understand this payoff that does like almost nothing. Like, I, I'd rather just like draw two cards or something <laughs> to hopefully draw into my trader hope. So I, I I don't know what this tap ability is, but the first ability where when you hit someone you get elf tokens. And, you know, it has Menace, so it can yeah. actually get through and get you the elves. But that payoff is, like, so bad. Uh, you use the payoff from one of your other elves. <laughs> I, I thought this would have been a little bit more like Anowar in that it it counts any elves that deal damage. That oh. would, you, would that make it better? Oh, that would that make would it be, better, but yeah, that, that, might be, really that might be that might be. But second strong. ability would still suck, though. <laughs> I, too strong. Really, though? I mean, it, it is your commander, right? It, you kind of want... Uh, but when you make so many elves and then you, it just snowballs really hard because then you have twice as many elves and then you attack with all of them mean, the next turn and then you have four times as many elves and <laughs> usually elves are the ones that flood the board on turn one right with like mana dorks and stuff like that but it's nice to know that you can I don't know I, I think that would have made this a lot better. That would definitely <laughs> have made it better although I think I don't mind the ability it has now because elves do have a decent amount of good lords that you want to play. You have stuff like Azuri to pump and trample them. So even though it only triggers with itself, I think because you have so many good elf lords, you can potentially boost its power and then make a whole bunch of elves just with Lathril. Elf Voltron is what you're saying? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we say making elves off any elf is too powerful, but then we have Najila chilling in the corner. Here well, Najila is too powerful. <laughs> yeah. like, Najila was a mistake. Do we want more Najilas running around? Probably not. <laughs> but what if it's with elves? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Raynard, the ever watchful two white and a blue four CMC, two three legendary creature spirit warrior. Flying Vigilance, the first card you foretell each turn costs zero to foretell. When you exile one or more cards from your hand and or permanence from the battlefield, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. I, I okay, don't know what foretell is. So this is some more, like, wait, actually, does Venser exile or just removes it from, like, yeah, that, that counts, would that put it under exile? 
Uh, yes, vents are exiles, I believe. Exiles and returns like Flicker Wisp, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, like, that's cool. I mean, this is gonna heavily rely on what Fortel is. Yeah, that's the sticking point. They wouldn't tell us what Fortel does. Whenever I see zero uh, attached to something, so you can do it for free, I'm a little bit, uh, nervous that it could be very, very strong. But until we know what Fortel actually does, it's super difficult to evaluate. I think the biggest takeaway is... It was a zero and not a snowman symbol, which I think was the reason the yeah. Wizards actually previewed these cards officially, is because everyone was in a tizzy that we were getting snow mana because the zero kind of looked like a snow mana symbol and like the blurry potato camera image. And uh, it is definitely not snow mana. And Wizards also confirmed no snow mana in, uh, in Kaldheim, period, end of story. So that's because it's mega snow <laughs> Ma- mana. Mega, mega snow. <laughs> mega snow. <laughs> I, uh, I even even let's say that Fortel is good. You already know one thing. This set, there's a, what like let's say two hundred some cards. There were it's a lot like mutate, right? Like a cool idea, sweet to have a deck like for like Otrimi or whatever, but not enough stuff yet. So I can't imagine. Okay, I guess I shouldn't say that now, but like I mean, I I honestly feel like though there is there's a strong chance that Fortel, even if it were good, there just won't be enough there. Yeah, especially for I mean, Commander. Right. And this, I mean for Commander. This, we'll have to another we'll have to have more Fortelic for another set. Just oh, like uh, Mutate gets another set than than sure. Although we do have a precon. So maybe the precon is loaded full of Fortel cards to try to help solve that problem, but yeah, there probably won't be enough good ones. I mean they're, they're probably gonna be bad, but I think this card is good without that ability whatsoever. Like you just slap this in like a Brago deck or something, and like here you go, right? So yeah, I think it's actually just pretty good with its ability. Like you don't need this foretell business, but um, free spells are good. How can th- this this cannot be broken, right? Like, what what if foretell is like forecast or something? <laughs> I was talking to Seth earlier. Like, we we had the reveal from your hand and cast something. What if it was zero? Would that break I, anything? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. I'm I mean, ass- I'm assuming it has to play with the second bil- ability in some way or another. Like exile a card from your hand and you get its effect oh. or do so like I assume those, those two abilities have to synergize somehow it's not literally just casting <laughs> if you forecast. just exile something from your hand uh. and then it gets a spell ability it's super forecast <laughs> it's better forecast I guess mega, for- mega snow yeah, forecast mega snow okay, mega forecast <laughs> yeah okay uh, and then we have theme boosters uh, which if you recall are pre-loaded boosters uh, of different themes so if you're a new player and you want to like say build an angel deck you go buy the angel theme booster to try to round out your angel deck but there are two interesting cards in the theme boosters you want to talk about one is rampage of the valkyries three white and a black five cmc enchantment when rampage of the valkyrie enters the battlefield create a four four white angel token with flying and vigilance Whenever an angel you control dies, each other player sacrifices a creature. I mean, seems like an auto-include for a black-white angel commander decks. It's essentially a grave pack that also is a Sarah angel, <laughs> but only if you're an angel deck. So I don't know why I wouldn't play this in any angel deck that has those colors. Yeah. Uh, if you're playing angels, this is great, right? Look at, look at that art. Look at the... They, they, oh, they've yeah. got like these like bluish wings and these angels are not here to save you. These <laughs> angels are here to murder you. <laughs> it looks very Constantine. 
uh, yeah. kind of art. So yeah, I I like that. Yeah, but my, my poor Sarah Angel power creeped once again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up we have Fire Giant's Fury. One in a red sorcery. Target giant you control gets plus two, plus two, and gains trample until end of turn. When it deals combat damage to a player this turn, exile that many cards from the top of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. So, I mean, so it's it makes giants even bigger. And draws you a ton of cards. I think that's the main upside is like drawing a yeah. bunch of cards. Like obviously, again, you got to be giant tribal and there's not a ton of giant tribal commander decks. But in giant tribal commander, I think this is another pretty much auto include to like draw a bunch of cards with your giants attacking. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I love me some giant wizards and I definitely want to. Wait, is Kroxa a giant? Yes, he is. So is Uro. And the less play well, counterpart. You- <laughs> so you have Kroxa, you have uh whatever the what's 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 the Eldrain giant uh, eludes my, realm, my realm bone crusher giant? Oh bone crusher bone crusher giant, although well, you have to pin yourself to cast this. Yeah. You, you like, have yeah. two standard playable giants that are not really giant tribal. Can you just throw this in and hit someone with a Kroxa and draw eight cards? <laughs> <laughs> Is that gonna be a thing? Like a sideboard I, card, maybe? I don't know. There's also the the giant oh i can't think of its name right now the the three four for four that either draws cards or hits your opponent when it attacks like that's yeah also, the tectonic oh, gi- yeah tectonic that's also yeah. like close to being standard playable like so maybe you can actually play giants in standard i mean that thing could never attack anyway <laughs> is it gonna really attack with the sorcery cast on it before <laughs> yeah <laughs> if this were instant i think this would be a lot better uh, i think this is maybe may, may, like i don't know i think this is kind of just medium at at best. I think for me overall, I was mostly just surprised that the theme deck cards, actually some of them seem somewhat playable to me. I don't think they're like great standard cards or anything like that, but I'm used to like Planeswalker deck cards and just like when they do these weird cards that aren't part of the main set, I'm used to just writing them off as unplayable like jank for the most part, but several of these cards, I was like, oh, okay, like if I'm playing X deck in Commander, I could see putting this in my deck, which I think is probably good. Like, uh, I don't know. I've never played a, a theme booster card before, I don't think. And now I actually might because some of them actually seem a little bit playable uh, in casual formats. Didn't you... Wait, no, you played the Minotaur thing. The the, the Death Bell, uh, Death oh. Bell War Cry. Yeah. I Was that from a theme booster? Uh, we have too many yeah. products. These Okay, take that back. Yeah. I have played a theme we booster card. The, the Jun Sacrifice Dragon. That yeah, was a, yeah. That was a no, brawl no, no, deck a brawl instead deck. of a theme booster. Oh, that's a, oh, that's a brawl deck. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I think these are, yeah, definitely respectable. Also, don't let Seth fool you. Planeswalker deck planeswalkers are the best. <laughs> Teferi, you know, like they're, they're fun. Uh, but... But no, no, like I, I, I think these theme cards are pretty, pretty interesting so far. I don't know how good they are yet, but all, all the theme boosters so far are very much so well themed, uh, very good for tribal decks. So, you know, maybe some of this could get played if there's a giant deck. Sure. I, I like the blue cards that have been revealed from this surprise. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll go over that eventually. All right, so I think that's all the previews we wanted to talk about. Again, these are all kind of unannounced previews. Official preview season starts January 7th, where we get the full set. Uh, we, we start getting the full set, and then the set releases at the end of January. So after we're back from the holidays, 
Uh, lots of Keldai. Hopefully, for my more birthday. axes, more gods, more Vikings. Oh, less little and Tybalt. Oh. Also, we we forgot to mention uh, showcase frame for Kaldheim is sweet. It's one of it's very Viking y and ornate, uh, but you can actually read the text, unlike Amica Invocation. <laughs> it's legible. So, yes. so I actually think this is uh, another top tier run of showcase art. Uh, so, worth checking out if you haven't seen it. The showcase art really, really good. I think so far, I'm not gonna lie to you. Show uh, the showcase arts are meh to me they, they're not ugly they just they don't also make me that excited either Ooh, what about the frame is that including the frame or just like the art itself uh the art itself is actually the like thing that i enjoy the most uh the frame is just meh yeah. Ugh, i like yeah, the frame like, i really i really like the frame richard weigh in where you break the tie i don't i didn't find anything special oh, right they're just like eh yeah, I prefer like the Eldraine frame. Actually, <laughs> like I thought that was a good a good frame. This one's right. just like okay, but it's legible, unlike you know Almond Cat <laughs> frames. <laughs> so props there. Is, I would actually is, like to see alternate art. <laughs> if we can yes. read it. <laughs> like I actually want to see Godzilla alternate frames, where instead of Godzilla, you put the actual Norse mythology creature in. So Cyril was supposed to be Fenrir. So if the showcase one was actually a Fenrir, hundred percent would get. Uh, but yeah, frame is just eh. Anyway, I think that brings us to the end of our spoiler discussion. Uh, Richard, we got just a couple minutes. Hit us up with a with a couple of fish mail before we wrap it up for the day. All right. Uh, if you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your question on air. So good news this week: we get to just remove a lot of questions because a lot of people got bamboozled by the snow leak and had a lot of snow questions so yeah remember to take leaks with a grain of salt especially when they're blurry and you can't read the cards uh, so yeah no snow in the set again so mega we snow. don't need snow hate cards we don't need mega snow we don't need any of that for Caldime. uh okay we don't rule out You're mega snow wolf. yet <laughs> it, it's 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 ice now. There's an ice mechanic. Ice you have Icelands. Uh, Yuri Wolf never happening, but would an independent modern committee solve any problems? Um, I don't know. I mean, so on its face, I would be like, yeah, that sounds sweet. Like giving more voices, options with bannings and stuff. On the other hand. We kind of have that with Commander, and it's just the poor Commander's Rule Committee getting yelled at all the time, and it it doesn't make things any better. So based on that precedent, I'm not sure that it would actually make a difference, or else we'd just be setting up some some poor community members to get uh, yelled at every time time. (laughs) anything happens, yeah. Uh, Okay, Rops007. For me, Rogues killed even Arena. It's impossible to play any non-tier 1 1. 1.5 deck. Mill, draw, counters, all at instant speed. You should have a series where you target various meta decks. Half the games I play are rogues. Any advice on defeating rogues? Uh, you can either A, join them, or you uh, play... Like, I, I think I think I, a decent amount of cheap interaction does help. Uh, I mean, I was able to somehow beat that on blue-black control, which is a miserable matchup. So, I, I don't know. I mean, rogues are just... They're the, the mono blue of this format, right? If you, if you play during that mono blue standard, uh, they're 
just doing that this time around. And I mean, I like it. I think the decision trees that the rogue deck has is actually a very deep decision tree and has lots of room for error. So fun deck. Yeah, yeah I, I'm actually surprised Wizards made the deck. I, I imagine they're getting a lot of frowny faces on Magic Arena. <laughs> like, like nothing is worse than like a mono blue tempo deck that goes first and then you just proceed to tap mana and do nothing the rest of your game as all your stuff gets countered and bounced. I mean, so, oh, if you play green, you just play the one mana spider, right? Yeah, you just keep fighting all their rogues over and over and over. <laughs> oh, that's, that sounds like a joke, but like legitimately, that, that is a real plan. And it has reach. <laughs> Yeah, escape cards are very good. Like, I, that's normally my technique is to yeah. try to punish the rogue deck for milling you. So we see people playing, like, Ox of Agonis in the sideboard. We see Chain One of Arachnor, yeah. the spider. So stuff that when your opponent mills it over, uh, you can cast it from your graveyard and kind of use that to your advantage. I I do think that Cling rogues- to dust. Cling to dust, Right, yeah. you target yourself. Skyclave Shade was the thing that I brought in out of the sideboard to get, uh, with my control deck because they mill me all the time. Yep, that's a that's another good option. Things that can come back from the graveyard like that. I think that Demir Rogue's like, I don't, personally, it's a little annoying, but I don't think it's anywhere near obnoxious as Mono Blue was with Curious Obsession. Oh, I, yeah. I, there's still, yeah. like, no worse feeling than turn one, one drop, turn two Curious Obsession, literally counter every spell for the rest of the game, and we definitely had that not that long ago at Standard. Once again, I think... It, it's like more of just counter spells, I think, are like a, a frowny face on their own. But does a counter spell actually mean the deck is broken to me? Probably not. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they don't even. There are definitely things that are broken in the format, too. And uh, that I, they don't even have that many counters. You might have, what, like, drown, four drown the locks, maybe like an essence scatter, maybe like one didn't say please. It might be like six to eight total, total counters. But I think the mono blue deck had like. 16 20 yeah. like some absurd number yeah although this right. this version operates at flash with its threats and i think that's the trade-off i guess you get to do more tempo-y stuff that's even more that's also flash true. stuff i mean can always leave your counters up and then just flash in all your stuff for the most part yeah whenever i play rogues i just hold lands that's all i get so <laughs> lands and, and rogues last question because we talked about it last week, I want to just check back on Seth on this one from MTG8Zach. Uh, what do you guys think of this card? Melting Moon. Uh, two red, red enchantments. No permits. Do not untap during their untap step. And once again, there is no snow in Kaldine. <laughs> Mega we were snow. talking about snow hate in modern and things like that. Would you play this card, Mr. Saffron Olive? I would be happy that the card existed. Uh, in case I did need to play it. Are we in a place in Modern where enough decks are playing Snow that it would be worth it over something like Blood Moon or something like Choke? I don't know. It kind of might be worse Choke at the moment with how many, like, blue-based decks there are uh, because of Earl running around. But I do think that that would be a playable card if the meta got to a certain point. Is it there right now? Uh, probably not, but... It could definitely get there someday, especially if there was actually more snow support in Keldheim. I'm, I'm a little less worried about it now that we know there's no snow in Keldheim. I was worried that we'd get a bunch more snow cards, and that would make it even more clearly correct for every modern deck to play snow lands over basic lands. But since we're not getting more snow cards, eh, it might not be necessary to have the snow hate. Although I do like the design of it. I, I think that the idea of that enchantment would be sweet if not for the fact that you are taking time to like put that in your deck 
replacing cards, whereas they're just literally doing... It's a little bit like Field of the Dead. They're rewarded for just doing their normal game plan, and you have to waste slots to answer that. Yeah. I also think this doesn't help Modern at all. Like, Modern uh, is the format where sideboard cards dictate everything, and if this was a thing and snow decks were prevalent... Uh, if you draw this, congrats, you auto-win. <laughs> if you don't draw this, you lose. And then save for the snow player. And like, oh, my opponent played their four mana, win the game enchantment. I guess I'm done. Well, you so can I, answer I don't it think... too, right? Like, it's not, it's not hard for a snow deck I mean, to answer that too. Depends if you're tapped and, out or not when uh, this thing gets dropped, right? Modern, so, modern, modern. And, modern. It's modern. It's, but it's like a, just an auto-win based off of one card. And there's no real count. I guess there's counterplay in the sense you can just hold your mana up and wait for it. But I, I don't think it produces patterns of play that we want <laughs> actually though the more i'm thinking about it the more i don't actually think that would do much of anything because even like if you actually think about the mana base of a modern deck this only hits on snow in even decks that are playing snow lands as their basics are mostly a pile of fetch lands in shock lands in other lands so what are you hitting like two three four uh, even if you hit all your opponent's basics even if they're all snow lands unless you run into like some weird mono white snow death and taxes deck that just has a ton of basics for the most part you're like shutting down a pretty small percentage of your opponent's lands with it so maybe it wouldn't actually do anything in, in a big percentage of <laughs> that would be kind of what funny it? to shut down the rest of the snow permanents. Although, like, again, what is it, Quaddle, and that's it? Are there any yeah. other snow creatures that you play at the moment? Because Not people really. attack with their Quaddles, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they do. They do. <laughs> One would say that I did, and then I ninjutsued it back. <laughs> <laughs> Thus getting around the melting <laughs> All right. Thank you to everyone who sent in their questions. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 308 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. So, have a happy holidays, everyone. Have a wonderful week, and we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. Until then, have a great one, and this is a crew signing out.